Hey friends, it's Weston, and I wanted to take just a second to thank you for listening to the Bowling Green Christian Church Sermon Podcast. If someone recommended this message to you, I hope that it encourages you. If you're here getting caught up on a week you missed, I hope that it challenges you. And if you're a visitor checking us out, I hope that it helps you connect with Jesus and his church. Whoever you are, whenever you're ready to take your next step closer to Jesus or to connect with a BGCC family, know that we're here for you. You can learn more about how to connect with us by downloading our app when you text BGCC app to 77977. There in the app, you can submit prayer requests, find out about upcoming events, and even give to help support our ministry, including this podcast. It's my prayer that God uses this message to encourage and equip you to take your next best step in life, which is always one step closer to Jesus. Oh, the new people number. I think you today's service is brought to you by the number four and the letter A. Um, yeah, um, straight, straight to Sesame Street. No, if you are new, we would love for you to text welcome um, to the number 270-842-6231. That's the church office number. It is our church texting number. It is 270-842-6231. If you're visiting with us, what we'll do is we'll ask you for a little bit of information about you, and then we'll send you some information about us. In particular, we're going to send you the link to download the app, which is incredibly helpful. Uh, this morning uh, is our, our Sunday before our bridge kids, that's fourth and fifth grade, go to uh, center kid camp. And so I'd like to take some time to pray for them and those that are going. Do we have any of our sponsors going to center kid camp in this service with us here? Any of them? Hello? Anybody going to Center Kid Camp? All right. Yeah, you're going to camp. I know you, but I think our I think our people that are doing that are downstairs. So we're going to pray for them. I mean, because as much fun as it sounds to spend an entire week with fourth and fifth graders, um, and it would be, um, it will be, um, you know, require some energy. So we're going to pray for them. Let's do that right now. God, we thank you for all of our kids that are going to be going to Center Kid Camp, and it is my prayer, Lord, that you would be preparing their hearts and minds right now for what you've got for them this week. God, I pray for our sponsors and all the adult leaders that will be there, that you'd fill them with your spirit, that you'd give them the strength and energy they need uh, to, uh, to keep up with the kids and to not just keep up with them, Lord, but to lead them closer to you. And so, Jesus, we ask that you would do that. We pray for safe trips and safe travels, and we ask, Jesus, that this would be a life-changing week for our students. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so today we are continuing uh, the way of Christ, looking through what it means to follow Jesus and some of the ramifications of it. And um, I want to start this morning by asking this question, have you ever been misunderstood? Yeah, okay, yeah. If anybody has never not been misunderstood, you're living in a whole different level of denial and cluelessness that you, I don't know that we'll be able to help, but we'll try. Um, so just let us know. If you've ever sent a text message, I promise you, you've been misunderstood. Um, this week, in preparation for the sermon, I, I looked up some really good autocorrect fails. Uh, it's hard work, but somebody does have to do it, uh, and that's me. So here we go. Uh, this is, uh, just took 22 minutes to find Jesus on our way now. Keys, not Jesus, although I should look for him too. All right. Let's see. Next one here is the snow looks so pretty. I know, so nice. Did you know that no two snossages are alike? Snossages. 
What? I'm trying to write snowflakes. Snossages. I wrote that like four months ago. We've all had that happen, right? Maybe not snossages, but something else. Let's see, what's this next one? Can I call you later? Got to run. Taking the kids to see Satan. Um, wow, I know they've been a handful this year, but that seems kind of harsh. Haha, Santa. I'm laughing so hard. Yeah. Okay, next. Hey, do you want to come over and play Madden? I can't. I got to help my son with his homicide. Dad of the year. Uh, his homework, he's six. I hope he hasn't murdered anybody. <clears throat> next. Are you doing the nutcracker this year? Yep, I'm auctioning kids tomorrow. Suctioning kids. Ridiculous autocat. Birdseed. I'm auditioning kids for play. Wow, I'm sorry I asked. We've all had that. Uh, I had a huge tag sale this weekend, made 450. Nice. I'm selling my father's organs. Should make a pretty penny. Selling his organs, what? I'm pretty sure that's illegal. His organ. Haha, not his organs. There you go. Yeah. We've all had those moments where we've had misunderstanding. Whether it's in a text or whether it is in our own interactions with people as we just talk to them, you know. Uh, even if you've known somebody for a long time. I mean, uh, my wife and I, we've, we've known each other for a long time. And there are still times where we'll have a conversation and we'll have to say, I don't think you heard what I meant to say. I don't, I don't think I communicated it properly. Uh, that happens. It's just part of the human experience. And here's the thing. It happened to Jesus too. This morning, I want to look at this encounter that Jesus has where we see several levels of misunderstanding, of miscommunication, and it's my hope that it would give us courage to push through the misunderstandings that we have in our life and come to a place of deeper connection with those around us, particularly as we talk about our faith with others. So let's look in the Bible. If you've got a Bible, great. If you've got a Bible-enabled device, great. If you want to read it on the screen, that's great too. But Mark chapter 3, verse uh, 20 and following, says this. It says, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. It's just good logic, right? If you're, if you're divided, if your people are split up, you know, you're not going to last. He says again, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother." Uh, this is a pretty heavy text. Um, you know, I have sent a text before. My favorite autocorrect fail of my own is I sent something to somebody and it changed it to Jedi Buffet. Um, 
I don't ever know where that would be a thing, um, but that's what happened. And I've never, I can tell you honestly, I've never had a text get autocorrected to say something like, you're working with the power of the devil. Um, that's never happened. Um, and here, this is not a mistake. This is not an autocorrect fail. This is an intentional calling out of Jesus. You've got, uh, you've got his family who thinks that maybe he's crazy. You've got these these uh, religious leaders who are uh, convinced that he is demonically possessed and they want to discredit him completely. And then you've got people who are looking to know more. Uh, it's confusing. The way of Jesus can be confusing. Maybe that's not even the right word. Maybe it's not just that the way of Jesus can be confusing. Maybe it's that the way of Jesus is misunderstood. I think maybe that's the best way to say it. The way of Jesus is misunderstood. Now, in this scene that we've had this morning, we've really got about four different kinds of people who are having giant misunderstandings about who Jesus is, and some folks who, who do get it. Uh, you, let's start with the religious leaders. These are the most outspoken folks. These are the folks who are saying, you know, it is by the devil that he casts out the devil. Uh, these are the folks who we would label the scoffers. These are people who um, maybe they don't know, maybe they don't want to know. I think it's probably more that second choice. They don't want to know. They're not interested in finding out more. And what they're doing isn't trying to find the answers. They're trying to discredit the people that, that believe in Jesus. They're trying to discredit Jesus himself. And so you've got people who are actively working against faith in Jesus Christ. These are going to be the scoffers. Now, you've got another group of people. It's the family. They're a little more compassionate, right? They're coming, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, he's just got to uh, he's just got a Messiah complex, you know, he thinks he's going to save the world. Um, and that's what you've got happening here uh, with, you know, mother brothers showing up and saying, you know, he, he doesn't mean harm, you know, uh, this, is, this is this misunderstanding here. Now, I know people have tried to work this out in different ways because, you know, Mary, she, is, she knows what's happening according to Scripture. And the brothers, I mean, let's be honest, it would be hard to sort of grow up and be like, oh, you know, that's my brother. He's the Savior of the world. Um, you know, um, everybody loves him. You know, that would be probably difficult. And we know throughout Scripture that Jesus' brothers have a hard time accepting him as anything other than just the kid that they grew up with. Um, what that looks like, you know, it's painted differently in the different Gospels. John, for instance, sort of has them antagonizing Jesus, almost saying, hey, you know, if you're the Messiah, you ought to go up to Jerusalem. Nobody does anything big here in Bethlehem, so why don't you head on, head on up over there? Um, and so there's a little bit of conflict that takes place, but, but it seems to me that these people are doubters. Now, some people have wondered, you know, are they collecting Jesus for his own protection? You know, are, do they know that the religious leaders are out after him and they're saying, hey, you know, he's not malicious. He's just, you know, he's just not all there. Um, and, you know, they're going to take him away to protect him. Uh, I think there may be some of that, but I suspect by and large they just kind of don't believe. They're not actively working against Jesus. They're, they would say they're on his side. They just don't fully believe. They've got lots of questions. You move into this circle that Jesus is, you know, he's surrounded by all these people. You've got this crowd here, and I think what we find in this group, the seekers. There's a group of people who are seeking. They want to know who Jesus is. They would love to put their faith in him, but they just can't quite believe yet. And so you've got a group of people around Jesus. We would call them the seekers. And then you get a little bit closer, and you've got the people that are definitely people of faith, followers of Jesus, people who are on the way of Christ in this moment, for sure, it includes the disciples. You've got these 12 disciples who are following Jesus everywhere, and we know that there's many more also in that group. 
And so these are the people who are surrounding Jesus. And as you look from the outside in, you think, man, this is, there's just a lot going on here. He's, he's so divisive. And as he gains in his popularity, in fact, many people have many different misunderstandings about this. Now, if you're here this morning and you are a Christ follower, you probably have experienced some of this level of misunderstanding in your faith. You probably have had somebody misunderstand you. Maybe it was somebody who felt that you were being judgmental because you just you said, ah, I'm not going to join you Friday. You know, I'm, just, I'm, I'm doing some different things in my life right now. And, and so you kind of said no to that, and people said, oh, well, you're just judging us. No, that's not it. I just, you know, I'm going to try to spend some of my time doing some of these different kinds of things. And, and for you, that was a misunderstanding. It was difficult. Uh, others of you, maybe you're perceived as a pushover by some people that you work with. You know, um, you know you're, you're perceived as somebody who just you know, gets taken advantage of, perhaps. Uh, others of you, maybe it's your spouse that misunderstands you. I'm sure that's very hard. Uh, as they kind of say, you know, why is it that you're going to give up your Sunday morning? You know, why are you going to do that? There's this misunderstanding that's taking place there. We all have those moments. Now, here's the thing. On the outside, the way of Jesus is confusing and, and not everybody gets it. But once you enter into the way of Jesus, there's an incredible amount of power and grace and assurance and love that comes to us. Some of that, I think, is just in a supernatural way. As God's Spirit comes to us, some of it we experience in the community of the church. But it's not something you understand from the outside. You have to come to the inside. I think of it in some ways like, like running. Uh, I've just kind of started to try to do some running, and I found that I've enjoyed it so far. I'm not marathoning, don't have any plans for anything like that, nothing major, just kind of, you know, thing to do occasionally through the week. And here's what I'll tell you, it, it put me off for so long on this, was the uh, advertisement for it. Because everybody you see running looks like they are having the worst day of their life, like they're about to die, like they're going, why am I doing this? I need to rethink my life choices. Um, you know, all of this, you just kind of look at the face and you're kind of like, that looks really unpleasant. Um, and in fact, in the moment it is. But you talk to anybody who does it and say, you know, why do you do it? Well, I mean, man, it gives me more energy. You know, it's good for me. You know, I, I find that I sleep better. You know, all of these benefits that you might come up with and you say, man, it affects my mood and it's, it's a positive thing. But you don't know that until you do it. Same thing's true with faith in many ways. You don't really fully understand and appreciate the benefits of it until you experience it. This is what Jesus is inviting people to. He's inviting the seekers and the doubters, and he's even glad to welcome the scoffers. If they'll come, although they probably won't, um, he wants them to come and to experience that. This is an invitation that's open to everybody. And this is why we come to this, this middle piece here about this unforgivable sin. Uh, the rejection of Jesus, this is the only unforgivable sin. Now, uh, this is a troublesome passage. I know for a lot of people, I've talked with a lot of folks in my office about this passage. Uh, a lot of folks, you know, um, talk to 10 different people. They'll give you 10, uh, 12 different ideas on what this is in particular. Uh, I'm going to help you out here this morning because it, it really is, I think, fairly simple to understand when we look at it in context. So let's just start for a second here from uh, just Scripture as a whole. We just kind of want to look at it as a whole. The overarching message of Scripture is this. 
It said anybody that comes to God is accepted by God. That's just it, okay? Anybody that comes to God is accepted by God. That's, that's the message of Scripture. Uh, you know, you look at the prodigal son. Jesus tells this story, this, this, this person uh, who says to his father, the father represents God, says, hey, uh, listen, I wish you were dead so that way I could have your stuff, uh, rejects, rejects the father. Uh, what happens when he comes back? The father welcomes him with open arms. This is, this is the message, right? You've got the lost sheep, same kind of thing, lost coin. Coin can't move. Father or the, the, the woman who's searching for it goes and finds this coin. Uh, you've got the thief on the cross, right? He's there on the cross. He's, he's spent his life sort of uh, living in rebellion to God. And sort of in that last minute, he says, you know, hey, I know it's probably too late and I'm kind of a scoundrel, but, you know, there is something different about you. Um, just remember me when you come into your kingdom. And, and Jesus says, sure, I'd be glad to. Today you'll be with me in paradise. So the message of scripture is that anybody that comes to God is welcome. So bearing that in mind, we have to then look at this and say, well, what's, what's going on here in this text? Well, here's what's happening. You've got Jesus who's healing people. He's restoring life to them. He's inviting them to come into the kingdom of God, saying, hey, come into the kingdom of God. Hey, listen, God is here, and he wants to welcome you. And then you've got these other people who are saying, no, you are full of the devil. And so Jesus, who is filled by the Holy Spirit of God, inviting people into God's kingdom, is being rejected, is being discredited by people who are saying, no, I do not believe that. Now, here's the interesting thing. This, this word here where it says, you know, they said that he, uh, by the prince of demons, he casts out demons. That uh, phrase right there, that verb tense, can be translated as they kept on saying. It can be a continuous type of verb. And so um, I love the way Eugene Peterson translates this because I think that he gets it right. Let me, let's read it here in Mark chapter 3, verse 28 and 29. It says, listen to this carefully. I'm warning you, there's nothing done or said that, can be forgive, that can't be forgiven. But if you persist in your slanders against God's Holy Spirit, you are repudiating the very one who forgives. Notice that if you persist in your slanders, you are repudiating. You are doing what? You're sawing off the branch on which you're sitting, severing by your own perversity all connection with the one who forgives. Jesus says this. He says, listen, it's like he's telling these scoffers, these religious leaders, he's saying, listen, I am here to give you life. And every time you reject that, it's like you're just sawing away this branch. You're sawing away the hope that you could have of life with God. Don't persist in this. Don't keep doing this because eventually you're going to run out of time. You're going to run out and this branch is going to fall off and there's going to be no hope for you. This is why I think this passage reminds us so clearly that when we hear God speaking to us, we need to say yes. We need to not say no, or what we often do, we say later. We'll do it later. Yeah, I know God wants me to do that, but I'm going to do it later. Yeah, I know Jesus would, would love for me to put my faith in him, and I'm going to get around to that eventually. Really what we're saying in that moment is no. We're just saying no, God, not right now. We're saying no, I won't do that now. And that's a dangerous thing to say to God, because the more you tell God no, the easier it gets. The more that you sort of practice ignoring the voice of God or that prompting of the Spirit of God in your life, and you keep saying no, that's not, I'm not going to listen to you, God, the easier it is to drown out God's voice and to the point where we no longer hear him or care to be led by him. And so it's important we put our faith in him, because Jesus has come to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. 
That, that's what he's telling us when he tells us that parable. He says, you know, if, if you're going to rob the house of the strong man, you know, you, you can't do it until you bind the strong man. Now, listen, I don't have a lot of experience in home invasion robbery. Um, just haven't done enough of it to really be an expert. Um, but here's what Jesus is telling us. He's kind of just giving us a how-to. It's a tutorial, a step one kind of thing. If you're going to rob the house of a strong man, step one is to bind the strong man. Uh, why? Well, it's obvious because if he's strong and you're robbing his house, he's going to beat you up and throw you out. So if you want to steal his stuff, you're going to have to disable him. How do you do that? How do you defeat a strong man? Real simple, you get a stronger man, right? You find a, a bigger guy. That's who you're going to come to the house with you. You want to find a stronger man, a bigger man, you bring him, and that's how you're going to rob the house. Jesus is telling us this. Maybe you missed it. He's saying, listen, I am the stronger man. You have all been held in captivity to sin and to your past and to shame and to the devil. He is holding you hostage. He says, I've broken into the house. He thinks it's his. I've broken into the world. I have bound him. I'm going to bind him on the cross. And then guess what's going to happen? When that happens, man, all that he took from me is going to be rightfully mine. Jesus is saying, I'm stealing it all back. I'm making it possible for you to return to me. Jesus says, I'm the stronger man who's bound the devil. And... All that's left for us to do is to put our faith in him. Jesus is saying, listen, I've taken care of the hard work. Would you come to me? I've got life to give to you. That's what Jesus is offering to all of us. All are invited to join the way of Jesus and his family. We've all been invited in. Nobody is left out. You know, the family of Jesus shows up at the end, and I know it kind of confuses some people because Jesus seems kind of dismissive of them. He's like, you know, who, who are my mother and my brothers? He seems kind of aloof. He's really seizing this moment to teach about what true connection means. Now, here's what we know is that Jesus, he is going to lift up and celebrate marriage. It's going to be his first miracle. He's going to be there at a wedding. You know, so Jesus is for family. He's for relationships. He's for all of those things. Jesus isn't diminishing our earthly relationships. What he's doing is elevating our spiritual ones. He's saying that faith builds a stronger family and that with faith, we can have the strongest family. And Jesus, as he looks around, he says, listen, if you've put your faith in me and you're following me, then guess what? You're part of my family. You're not being left out. Now, this is a really profound message, I think, in any time, but it really in Jesus' time. Because you had a lot of folks in Jesus' day who did this meticulous job of keeping genealogies and family histories, and everybody knew whose daddy was who. You know, They knew where they were coming from and what family line they were in and what tribe they were a part of. And, and they knew all of this, and Jesus says that's great, but it doesn't really matter. Your family of origin matters less than your family of faith. And Jesus says, listen, you can choose that one. Now, for some of you, this is great news because your family of origin is a train wreck. And you need this family of faith of which God is the perfect father to be your father. That's what you need. Now, for others of you, this is a real nightmare because you sort of maybe have thought, whether you didn't articulate it or not, that, you know, just because your dad was, you know, a faithful guy, or, I mean, I, I, it seems like everybody's granddad was a preacher, you know, you know, your granddad was a preacher, your, your family was faithful, you sort of think that you're sort of in, you know, you've been born into all of this. Here's the thing, God doesn't have grandchildren. You know, you're either a son or daughter of God, or you're not. And the choice is yours. 
Do you want to be a son or daughter of God or not? And so if you're here this morning and that's not a decision you've made, I want to encourage you to do that. And I want you to know that we're going to sing a song here in a little bit. And you can come. I'd love to talk with you. You can talk with us after service. You can talk with the person that brought you. You can contact us at the office. There's a lot of ways to make that, you know, figure out what the next step is for you. But I want to talk to those of you who are here that are the family of God. Man, you're here because you believe in Jesus Christ. Now, why are you here? Let's just go back in the faith line for you. Why are you here? Ultimately, I can tell you why. I know why. I don't know who and I don't know when and I don't know, you know how it all happened. I know this, that somebody extended God's invitation to you. Somebody told you about God's love. It could have been a Sunday school teacher, it could have been a coach, it could have been a teacher at your school, it could have been a friend, it could have been a co-worker, it could have been somebody on your team, but somebody somewhere along the line told you about the love that God had for you. Now for me, I had a lot of people telling me about God's love. My family, I had, I had a great church I grew up in, I mean I had a lot of people telling me about God's love. And I know that you've had the same type of experience. Somebody or some buddies have told you about God's love. And the question we all have to ask ourselves is, are we going to extend that same invitation? Are we going to tell others about the love that God has for them? That's what God's asking us to do. Now, I know the big fear is this, is that we're going to be misunderstood, right? We're going to be misunderstood. People will not get what we're saying. They're going to think that we're passing judgment or whatever. And we are fearful of the misunderstanding, now, let me tell you how the story of Jesus and his brothers ends. His brothers, we know James and Jude, for sure, come to faith in Jesus. These are men who seem to reject Jesus, even be scoffers at certain points in time. But something happens. I think it's the uh, resurrection that uh, won them over. Um, scripture tells us that he appears to James, as listed. Jesus makes this appearance, and these brothers that were doubters or scoffers are now people of faith, and they're followers of Jesus Christ. That misunderstanding works out, and Jesus is faithful, and he is consistent, and he is sure, and they put their faith in him. As the worship team comes out, I want to just sort of remind you about life and how this works. If you do the same thing, if you are faithful and consistent and you keep just showing up with love and you keep showing up with the grace of God, people may misunderstand you at first. They may reject God's invitation at first. But I'd say I believe if you give it enough time and you live faithfully in a way that they can see, I'll tell you, I think eventually people come to, to realize who you really are. They come to realize what the message really is. It's, it's not a surprise to me anymore where you give it enough time and people find out who you really are, whether it's good or bad. And I think that's true here. And so I want to just give a word of encouragement to everybody here that perhaps you've got a coworker or friend, or maybe it's a spouse or a child or a parent that you say, man, I just really want these folks to come to know Jesus Christ. But maybe they've been misunderstanding you for so long. I would say just keep faithful, be loving, and pray and say, God, would you use me? And I think that he will. But the question is first ours. Are we going to risk the misunderstanding? Are we going to risk that, you know, awkwardness? Because it can be awkward to just tell somebody, man, I just want you to know that, that God loves you. And he's got a place for you in his family. Let's rise up and accept that challenge this week. Why don't you stand as we sing?